Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics. We are the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weave. I am Alex, uh, walking you through today's adventures with my buddy Megan. Hey buddy. Hello. Uh, and also joining us today in Northern California, it's Ezra and Sarah and in the background, Lego Frozen. Hello. We have pastries. You have pastries? Ooh, what kind? Uh, this is uh, looks like a pound of chocolate. There's a uh, there's like a French butter croissant, and what's the other one you guys there? An apple brie galette. Wow, yeah. you made those this French. morning? No, we bought these <laughs> from a, a, a social, like a a very busy but socially distant, uh, uh, I guess, pastry place that we like, La Chaten. So yeah, uh, they they've been in the bakery mines since five in the morning, Chris, making <laughs> since three o'clock. They got up at three this morning to start rolling out some dough. I had the biggest bakery fail this morning. It was just really it was so disappointing. Yeah, I was gonna make uh, some buttermilk biscuits from Allison Roman's cookbook and uh, got everything out. We had all the ingredients. I was making the first part where you sift together the dry, you put together the butter. You're making pie dough basically, and then the buttermilk, which I thought was most like was fine, and then I poured it in and it was sour and awful, oh. and I had to throw out the entire thing. Oh. So there were no after you mixed it in that you noticed. Biscuits. Yeah, well, I, th- I smelled it, and I couldn't smell it, like, from well, the it's buttermilk, carton. so it's hard, yeah, exactly. it's hard buttermilk. to tell. Buttermilk already smells a little bad. Yeah, and it was it was like, oh, no, no, no. Oh. Yeah. Bummer. That's such a bummer. It's okay. Um, I don't know if that is the biggest bakery fail, but we'll say top five for oh, sure. He also, like, opened and, 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 and ran out of business several bakeries during that time as well. So Yes. yes. I mean, yeah. the problem was I had promised my investors that I'd have buttermilk biscuits <laughs> ready to save our loan and my marriage. Uh, speaking of which, uh, those voices you've been hearing with the largest bakery fail in New York history in Brooklyn, New York, is Chris and Tanya. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. What's up? Sorry about your business dealings. I'm okay. um, glad your marriage is saved. Uh, um, also, sure. TBD. <laughs> Also joining us in um, about to get super hot Los Angeles, it's uh, new Sarah and Kyle. Welcome back, guys. Oh, it's scorching. Uh, <laughs> Is it a scorcher? Scorching, scorching hot mignonette over here. How how hot is that mignonette? Um, it's been in the the eighties, eighty degrees. This just wow. so, we're gonna tr- we're gonna try out triple digits this week. See how we like them. Is that, yeah. Is that well, on? we live in um. Over over the mountains from some of you in Los Angeles, so our temperatures get a little extreme over here. Oh. We're doing triple digits. You're going to go for four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to get a nice braise on over here. <laughs> Is this a good time for the for the charcoal cream or no? Mm, no, I'd keep it off this dish. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Do mounted you do, with do not, butter or not? Don't pour olive oil over your head because it's not. <laughs> It's too dangerous. Um, we are talking about season. This is season seventeen, episode seven of Top Chef, titled "Pitch Perfect." Um, and before we get into the, actually the full episode, I do have. Uh, I just want to say two quick fun things from our lives that are slightly related to this. Um, number one was that last week we went to the Jonathan Gold recommended uh, meals by Janae. Meals by Janae. The Ethiopian restaurant that they ate at a couple episodes ago, and it was crazy good. And also, Megan talked to Janae, and she was so delightful. Yeah, um, over the phone, obviously. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, it was it was it was very good food, very good um, takeout. And yeah. I, I was in the other room, and I was like, "That sounds like Megan is being charmed." 
This lady is charming, Megan. It's great. She was really fun. And then um, we also, uh, on our jog yesterday, jogged past Nancy Silverton. What? And what was she doing? What was she she wearing? wearing? She was. She was. Well, well, a million berets. Yeah, berets. Berets. Sorry, a million berets. Just one million berets. berets. (laughs) The man with seven. it was caps for sale. It was that. It was that. Yeah. Fifty cents a beret. Okay, so I was just looking at Jeanette, and then you said to say it Janae, and so oh, then sorry, my head, I don't know how to say I it. I assume you're right, but I just then barrettes became berets. Oh, I was just yeah. following the, the guys. The if we can remember, this should definitely be the stick for the show. I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to remember though. I don't know if I can. I can't guarantee it. But anyway, yeah, we we walk. She was power walking. Um, we go to a fancier neighborhood to run, and so we are less likely to get hit by a car that can't afford to pay us the insurance if we get Calabasas. hit. And so we go to a nicer neighborhood, and that's where Nancy was power walking with her barrettes. Anyway, Wait, so really she was fun. wearing a lot of barrettes. Was she wearing like some sort of like sweatsuit? Like what? What was she wearing on the rest of her? I'm so sorry, Tanya. I feel like I'd be a terrible um, either crime or fashion witness because I do not remember the rest of her outfit. She was working out. Okay. What about witness to fashion crimes? <laughs> um, I would say no. It doesn't seem like any crimes were committed. I just remember being like, that lady looks familiar, and she has a lot of barrettes, and then. I was like, I think I might have just seen Nancy Silverton. I was like, did she have a ton of barrettes? And it was, that's how you know. So anyway, um, that's our, I was going to say tasting notes, but then since it was just witnessing from a distance notes, I didn't want to like make it weird. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, don't, yeah. Anyway. you shouldn't have tasted Nancy Silverton. That was, that's, you got too close. That's a neck tattoo thing. <laughs> For sure. The neck tattoo was before the show as, that's, oh. that was a reference. Well, we, people who are listening, guess why maybe that was funny or not. I don't know. <laughs> Right All in right. it. Packyourmics.com. So anyway, um, now getting into the episode. So Pitch Perfect, uh, episode seven of season 17, uh, All-Stars LA. Um, the quick fire challenge today is uh, the chefs are given 30 minutes to make a perfect taco for Danny Trejo using a machete as your only knife. And in case you forgot that Danny Trejo is associated with machetes, mm. he has one bedazzled on the inside of either side of his jacket and he shows them multiple times definitely not to the same people over and over again because i would get old but like yeah he he showed everyone and then he showed somebody individually as if it was a reveal and i was like they just saw that yeah I mean, I maybe know. he was there for hours he could have been that's that's i mean that's yeah. likely it's filming um danny trejo of course you guys know him as the actor from machete but he also has a uh, couple of restaurants around here trejo's tacos trejo's cantina and trejo's coffee and donuts Sarah and Kyle, can you vouch for Trejo's or I guess uh, yes, his donuts? Yeah, we've only had the donuts because it's on the way to our office. Oh, nice. Sometimes uh, when we're generous, we say, oh, we want to be liked by our office mates and get donuts. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Rarely. <laughs> yeah, we try to get by on our own merits usually. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, they have it's it's a so pretty much every donut place in Los Angeles is going to be pretty good. It's just a good place to get donuts. Um, some of the flavors are pretty specific there, but I don't actually think it's like outstandingly good or bad. It's just a solid donut shop. Yeah. All I right. I feel like that's true of a lot of donut places. Yes. Like genuinely like a good donut. Like, yeah, there's a, there's the a technique curve. there, but like if you have a whole place dedicated partially to donuts, you're probably going to know how to make a donut. And then, like, you made a donut, so it's fine, you know? That's good. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you think there's a low ceiling to donuts, too, Tanya, or just, like, a thick middle? <laughs> mm. 
doughy middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. It depends. I mean, preferences vary, but I would say a doughy middle is not what you're going for, (laughs) generally speaking. In fact, most donuts have no middle at all. Hmm. Well, but more donuts you have, the more doughy of a middle I have received. True enough. Yeah, Yeah. and that's how calories work. Thank you. Um, Do you guys know Danny Trejo from the very well from the acting world? Personally, no. Yeah, um, we would cross paths. We're like high bye friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just on Facebook. Yeah, we text occasionally birthday wishes. That's all. <laughs> I just, um, if, if you haven't heard about how he was discovered in Hollywood, it's like a really delightful story. Wasn't where he in he, prison? It's, yeah, kind of. So, yeah. So he was, um, uh, he was working as a, a youth drug counselor, and one of his patients was on a movie and asked him to come help with a problem he'd been having so he was like counseling this guy on a set of a movie and while he was there the writer of the movie who's like a crime writer and a former prisoner recognized him from having been in prison with him together and asked him to like help with the movie and then he got promoted a few times until he has was in the movie and then he had an acting career so and there was think- an extra level on top of it which is kind of nice where it's like uh, i think robert rodriguez the like uh spy kids he's like basically like that day trader is like oh man this should be like like it's like he should be like an action star. And then like that kind of becomes also like a, a through line where it's like the character that he is in spy kids as like a sort of a side bit, like gets to have spun off into like his own like thing as well, which is kind of fun. Like he that's just super interesting. Going. I've never actually seen it, but I know I just read, I, I knew that like his character machete, machete, machete. Um, I want to say it fancy and I shouldn't, um, but his machete character started uh, on a kid Alex, movie. Alex, mache. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Good. You're going to keep this bit alive yourself. That was, um, I, I'm going to force it in everywhere I can. I knew that he started on a kid's movie and then I got a spinoff where he's like a, like a norm, like a uh, adult type movie. Yeah. So there's, there's spy kids series. And then there's also, I think like he kind of had like an, like a fake trailer in the grindhouse uh, movies as well. And then he also got his, his, a full, a full ad, a full movie after that. So it's kind of a really, that's a backwards thing, but he had like, he was in Con Air before that. He was in Anaconda. He was like, yeah. He was and he was in the El Mariachi, the Desperado, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. knife throwing guy. Well, as Padma says, his um, list of movies he's been in is as long as his dick. As his what? line at his taco restaurants. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I like, I think... Did I really blank that out? Like, she <laughs> she, she that paused. Was the implication. She paused and allowed everyone to believe that's what she was going to say. And then she said line at the taco restaurant. But it was long enough that it was like Padma like was trying to inception me to say he has a huge dick. <laughs> this is that that's I feel like that's like one of those things that a crazy person would say. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just so you know how it's coming off. I think this is another example of us having watched it in another yeah. dimension. I was going to say, yeah, our our, oh, really? our dimension had no innuendo. Yeah, we didn't see a dimen- long pause that I didn't find especially funny. That was just a pause <laughs> as long as his line at his. <laughs> you wait yeah, a couple seconds before episode. you. Well, and then I thought she just said lines, and I was like, oh, you mean like lines in movies? And it's it's exciting is like recapping his IMDb is, which, spoiler alert, not very exciting. I just like (laughs) none of this really got me going. Like Danny Trejo seems like a perfectly nice guy. I just felt like even with people like fanning out over him, like it just wasn't it. There was just no momentum to any of this challenge. I think it was just a taco challenge. They wanted to do tacos. They found an LA famous taco guy, and and then they made delicious tacos. The machete tie into cook like cutting with a machete is fun. It was a good visual. I did like it. It didn't really matter though. 
Yeah, nope, exactly. I wish it had mattered. And Brian Voltaggio still uh, did sort of fancy taco yeah. food fancy with a machete. Knife cuts. And he also was the only person, I think, to stick his machete into the uh, cutting board. Yeah. Which Straight up. So a nice cool. presentation move, for sure. Yeah, cool. that is good. That was cool looking. They And the machetes, of course, are revealed in this giant box where they also, maybe this is our dimension, but the edit kind of made it seem like Karen was in the box. We yeah, also thought that. We were like, what's in the box? Is it Karen? Is there a Karen in the box? Yeah. And then she walked through the doors and we were like, oh. Like a normal person. Yeah. We, it was a huge relief. I actually thought they didn't make Karen wait for 25 minutes in this wooden box while they set After up their shop. After keeping her up what seemed to be all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like, now get in this dark box. Oh, the she's having Karen, a lot. Like, crumbles out of the box (laughs) you're back on the show wake up karen it's time to fly wake up karen it's time to fly is exactly what this episode should be called um if i didn't already have a guess as to what i was going to call it we'll see um good radio okay the name of the episode that's currently playing to find out what happened there everyone you know know. I do. I just have a joke I want to make later, and I thought maybe it'd be a good title. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, <laughs> there's this so much more than anyone else. Yeah, that's the job. I have to. I have to make all this stuff. Ah, uh, at least it's well paid, right? <laughs> I guess yeah. You go in early and you do all the prep on all the jokes, and then they're just sitting in like neatly organized tubs, labeled by ingredient. Uh, Megan yeah. is currently in a wooden box. The jokes on pause for every episode are spectacular. <laughs> I was thinking mise en jokes. I wasn't sure which is better. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, yeah, I like jokes on floss. Oh, is that the title <laughs> of the episode? Jokes on floss? <laughs> no, the, chi- the title of the episode is waiting in a tub for us later. <laughs> as long it's as currently sitting. Oh, no. Alex doesn't want to have to edit the show, but it's now he might. It's sitting in champagne vinegar. We're just like waiting to see. I shouldn't have said anything. This is this is top chef. If all this like if all the chefs just turned against Padma, this is like what we were right. watching. <laughs> it does feel like there's a revolt, and I, my intentions were so pure. <laughs> we know, buddy. We know. We just can't be trusted, buddy. That's the problem. <laughs> you can't share anything with us. Oh man. Um. Anyway, did uh, did any of the tacos look particularly good or particularly bad to you? I think I, I like Nepalis. I don't remember where they were, but I like Nepalis. I think they were yep. Melissa's. Melissa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. good job, Melissa. Nice. Yeah. Um, it goes without saying, good job, Melissa, I think. Yeah, but, no uh, <laughs> It should never go without saying. Yeah, it, 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 yeah we don't say it enough. But uh, I was surprised there, were, there was only one flour tortilla. I feel like uh, per my yeah. Bon Appetit February issue, flour tortillas are making a comeback. And oh. Eric was uh, punished for it. It was way too big, and so he didn't have enough filling. Well, he, I mean, he, it looked like a plate, so that's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tortillas I like, are like plates. But little plates. Not big. Yeah, they, they need plates. to be proportional plates. Mm. I think flour tortillas like... might be having a moment in 2020, but corn oh, tortillas right. are still like the cool, like taco lovers tortilla. Yeah, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I almost think like this is sort of like those people that decided to write a bunch of essays about how Creed is actually really good. No, like I don't, I don't think we need flour tortillas in the way that everyone would like to believe that we do. Flour so. tortillas are the eagles of uh, oh. taco distributors. <laughs> oh. I think I, Alex is in pain. It sounds like, like flour I tortillas. I don't know. They Noted don't Eagles fan, Alex. No, he, I don't like the Eagles, so that one hurt me a lot. Oh, um, I you're talking about little you know, Eagles. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, I'm not sure I get this metaphor, but I'm here for it. 
I mean, I could also just mail you some Elmer's glue that you can ball up on the back of your teeth if you want, but oh, it's up to you. Man, Wait, you guys I... are doing it wrong. You have to like slightly toast it on the stove and then put butter all over it, and then a flour oh. tortilla is delicious. Yeah, and, and then okay, everything's yeah. yeah. forgiven. That sounds incredible. Okay, that sounds, straight, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Eat it straight to your husband's horror. I think that's that's probably yeah, just best, <laughs> best for a partner to no end. Um, I just I just look surprised because so, here's the thing. Sometimes not not to out you. You don't always toast it. Sometimes it's just cold butter on a cold tortilla. Yeah. No. Right. That is a personal nightmare. Yes. <laughs> hey, oh, don't a, knock it until a... you try it. And just make sure you're hungry beforehand. <laughs> Hunger is the key ingredient. Hungry parent oh, of two. That's a good secret ingredient for any cooking. I like that a lot. Also, I just wanted to say I would I would understand if any member of the audience felt attacked at any given point today. Because people are fiery. <laughs> Sorry, there's too much salt in my jokes. I didn't realize I was using you, the wrong jokes During the Mizan jokes, somebody put If you feel if you feel attacked, just contact me and I will enable you to eat whatever you want to eat. That's true. I think yes, there's very like, yeah, all there no no bad foods. Uh, speaking of calling out uh, foods, yes, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to share another food that I hate in describing uh, Kevin's taco, which I was very excited for until he said he was subbing pineapple for banana. Oh, that was disgusting. Gross, Kevin. Uh, yeah. I, what is wrong with you, Kevin? It was so close. I was like, I was so ready for it. And then he said, I'm doing, I'm going to do bananas because why not? And I, I, I retched. There are oh. a million reasons why not, Kevin. A million. A you million. Hate- Bananas? Yeah, we're anti banana now? Or we're just pro pineapple? Oh, we've never been pro banana. No, oh. this is not a pro banana house. What about in the smoothies? That's fine. Barely. How about, yeah. How about plantains? I, like, I think I think bananas are like a popular enough item in the general world that you don't have to be too defensive as. I think people like bananas. I just, yeah, I just I, want to understand the limits of it. That's all. Oh no, I know I'm not popular for disliking bananas. I just don't like bananas. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like bananas. I like that you used tiny bananas, though. Were those better bananas somehow? They are not supposed to be tasty bananas. It's just rude to bring up pineapple and then give someone a banana instead. True. That's, that's, that's extremely disrespectful. Taco is Noted. Bananas should be in smoothies or in pajamas. And those <laughs> are the only two places. Ooh, good call. On the stairs? Uh, coming coming yeah. down in pairs? Yeah. For sure. Um, I will. So a positive call out though is Leanne managed to make her tortilla also out of cheese, or like had a cheese tortilla covering her corn tortilla. That looks cheese great. laminate. That looked great. <laughs> it looked so good. It looked crazy good. That uh, that's really fun. If you get uh, out in LA, if you find the right uh, burrito place, the, there's like a, a burrito stand that does breakfast burritos coated in cheese. <sighs> I'm I'm wow. I'm up for it. Coconut cheese. Can I just say me. breakfast as an adjective of a food that is not breakfast? I I like it's almost always good. Like oh, interesting. Like, breakfast chowder. Okay. <laughs> wow, I you really curious. shot that plane right out of the sky. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, not exist. I'm gonna keep your chowder aircraft. ammo dry, but you know. <laughs> Anti-aircraft chowder just sitting on standby. I mean, that's what oatmeal is basically. It's breakfast chowder. Oh. Like, ooh, a return volley. How will Chris respond? <laughs> that makes oatmeal sound even grosser than it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's already pretty unpopular in this home as well, actually. <laughs> oh, man. I think breakfast soup generally is probably not going to be. That, and that's cream good. of Except, wheat. Like a breakfast <laughs> miso is fabulous. So, ah. you know, not all soups. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, we got a lot to we got a lot to think about, but um, wrapping up on the quick fire. Uh, so the winner, the importantly, the winner was Stephanie, um, who has had a heck of a time this season. So it was nice to see her win. Um, yeah. for the her only non fish taco. taco not featuring bananas. So <laughs> very good. Um, and she also was like the most surprised person when she was announced the winner. Yeah. Which and is always charming. Made good use of immunity. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, most. <laughs> this is this is like the make sure you have a uh, car rental like rental insurance on your rent uh, yeah on your car because like uh, yeah that crash she, is coming. She used it up. She got all her money's worth out of the immunity. Um, she won, which also I was a little uh, upset at first because I you know the preview had said that this was restaurant wars adjacent, and so if she had if you had immunity for restaurant wars, I would be pretty annoyed. But since it was just for the pitch for Restaurant Wars, and she was badly outgunned in this competition part, uh, I felt okay about it. Were you yeah, guys upset? I also the appreciated that they were like, this is the episode where we kill off immunity. Yeah. yeah. Big fan. I You could kill it off after the first. You could probably kill it off for the forever, and I would be okay with it. Well, this is this is what you're getting instead. Episode seven, the death of immunity. Ah, that's fine. That's I fine. don't mind immunity. I I think it makes sense from a game perspective. Yeah, of like giving quick fire some like stakes. And it works like early on where if you it, it's a way to protect really good chefs. Where if they do really well in a quick fire, it's okay if they like don't get rack boned their by brain. a yeah. challenge or yeah, yeah. It's like, a, it's like a first round buy or something like that you know it, 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 that, that's that, it that only exists ever world. comes to play if you did really bad and some and then someone who did better than you goes home and that it just it it never feels great to have somebody on the bottom and then they'll be like but you have immunity but it also gives like psychological it's like a psychological treat for whoever wins of like you get to relax and you just you get, get to chill. Yeah, that's true. That stress. So, and that's, that's an additional benefit of like, you're not burning out as fast as someone who's like cooking for their life. Every single challenge. That's true. The emotional value of it is probably the highest for sure. I do just like when you give them money though, cause then you're like, at least you got something. I feel funny I like about the, it. Okay. So my hierarchy is I actually do like immunity for the first few episodes of the season. And then cash, bottom of the pile, a car. I didn't ask for it. Drive it out of here. <laughs> so is car below giant bottle of Trilato wines? Yes. Yeah, no, I that didn't. Trilato <laughs> wine looks pretty good. What about tickets to Trolls 2 World Tour? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? I bet that, okay, well, minus Justin Timberlake, I bet that would have been a delightful red carpet experience. It probably would be. Is he, he was, not fun at the red carpet? Or is he everyone, and he's not, like a sociopath. But I'm guys, sorry. guys, guys. Yeah, when I got happened, a lot of note for JT. It was going to be May, though. It was going to be May at that time, if that had happened. No. Uh, I don't care for that meme anymore because I'm tired of Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. The way you pronounced well, Timberlake was like the, like the old-timey, like, 1920s, like, yes. like, <laughs> oh, the Tipper Lakes uh, again. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn and I hate him, and he's not allowed over anyway. I lost my daughter in the Tipper Lakes. <laughs> yeah, Man of the Woods can stay in the woods. Thank you and good night. I really like Justin Timberlake, and this has been a tough episode emotionally for me so far. Um, if I could have a bye for the rest of the episode, it would really be nice. If emotionally. you hadn't eliminated that for everyone, <laughs> I really like it, and. Even though half of that album is terrible, the other half is pretty good, and that's Wait, for Man of the Woods. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is okay. fascinating. 
I, there's, I, I just that's an interesting that's a genuine interesting take. <laughs> I yeah. I really like supplies, uh, supply AIs, and uh, <laughs> look at me, Megan. I'm looking at you. <laughs> like, what is happening right now, Megan? Megan, be honest. Is this Alex's like a uh, cold flour tortilla with butter? No, <laughs> no. We've listened to it together, and we have liked it, and we went to his concert. Oh, yeah. Fine, then. I thought it was great. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't been aware of much of his work since Crimea River. Okay, so so I'm just so good. And well, the, you did oh, miss man, out the... on the 2020 experience. I did enjoy that, the but you know, then sometimes you do a deeper dive into the Super Bowl and what happened there, and then it's upsetting. Yeah, that is a very Super Bowl's upsetting. upsetting for great, sure. no doubt. Um, sometimes the, uh, you should apologize for things. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I have no feelings for him off stage as a person. I don't know it very well, but I do like a lot of the stuff. And I and seriously, if you put out a pop album where there's three really good songs, like that's not a bad effort. Alex, can I introduce you to a friend of mine named Carly Rae Jepsen? Oh <laughs> my gosh, I already like Carly Rae Jepsen, and that doesn't mean that there's no place in my heart for Justin. No, it doesn't. I just mean, like, you can ask for more from your pop albums. You can have a top-to-bottom success. Yeah, yeah. You can have bangers wall-to-wall. Also, my friend Dua Lipa, also known as Dula Peep. Yes, Dula Peep. Okay, I'm not friends with Dula Peep yet, so I'll look <gasps> up Dula Peep. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Watch watch the physical music video. All your other plans got canceled. <laughs> Guys, I believe it's France Dula <laughs> <laughs> As they're keeping the bit alive. All right. I'm not allowed to like in the next part where we move on to the elimination challenge, uh, where the chefs must create a concept mood board and use it to, after arts and crafts time at night and use it to pitch a restaurant concept, which may be uh, selected as the, one of the two restaurants for restaurant wars next week. Um, yeah, and you have to make one or two dishes that represent your concept. Um, and you're doing it for the fun judges this week. So Stephanie Izard is back. Uh, Yay. Who, yeah. She looks so fancy. I really enjoy her professionalism. She's rad. She, so obviously winner of Top Chef season four over Richard Blaze famously. And also owner and of a bunch. And, and Lisa Fernandez. Allegedly also Lisa. And um, she's also at least four successful restaurants, most in the GOAT franchise, starting with Girl in the GOAT Chicago. And then she also is an Iron Chef now. Sorry, Kyle? Oh, sorry. I was just saying all the names. I like saying all the GOAT names. Baby GOAT. I'm going to do them all again because I was talking over you, Kyle. Oh, it was Girl in the GOAT, Little GOAT, Duck, Duck, GOAT. And then the fourth one that like opened in the last two years. Yeah, we don't. I don't know. Oh, it wasn't Baby GOAT. Yeah. Not goat themed at all, um, and she's working on a girl in the goat LA, I believe. Uh, she was. Mm, who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, with yeah, that sure. with that sure. human blazer. Mm-hmm. Oh God, he was a real oh, human blazer. Speaking of human blazer, so human blazer, <laughs> human blazer is Kevin Bohem, um, Bohem, uh, who's the leader of Boca Restaurant Group in Chicago, which is one of the investors in all the goat places. He is also he won the 2019 James Beard Award for best restaurant tour in America for that group. Yeah, they so, have a lot of restaurants in Chicago. It's a good group, like, I must say. It's one of those where they make successful restaurants that are good, some great, but like they all are successful. It's really impressive, and I did not find him to be the most uh, um, delightful on-screen personality, but certainly a heck of a pedigree that I don't think we got far enough into on the show. Um, so cool to see the both of them back to be judges on this um, Shark Tank version of Top Chef. Um, I didn't care actually, for it. 
You didn't yeah. like the pitch off. So what, why, why no. not? I think maybe it's just because we just wrapped up um, making the cut, which I found disappointing ultimately. Is that uh, the new Project Runway ripoff? Yeah, and it's pretty good overall. Like the caliber That's, of talent Tim, is quite Tim Gunn high. Is on that one? Yes, and Heidi. But like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is where they took the best and parts. Naomi Campbell, um, oh, who is so cute like and good. beautiful, and I love. Oh her. man, she's uh, so deranged. I do enjoy oh, her. She's so her, but her feedback was great. But like the whole that whole show is like about pitching yourself as a brand. So mm. there's this huge focus on like successful presentations and like business models. Oh, and all that's that's a it's like that's not what I want out of this show. It's like next door to the show that I actually want to be watching. So to yeah. have Top Chef follow that same mold for even just an episode, I was like, this is too much of this recently for me. So I think it's really my personal bias I'm bringing to it. But it also seems like it wasn't really about the food this time. I realized we were almost totally done with the episode and it hadn't felt like we'd gotten any like cooking or like serving the same way that I think of with Top Chef. So it just felt like a really odd episode to me. Now, here's a question, Sarah, because I've been just thinking about this. I had some of the same reactions that you did. I wonder if this was something that was lost in the edit or yeah. stru- or whether it structurally was laid out to not really be a cooking challenge because you know there's a way in which they've done a similar challenge in previous Top Chef seasons where they said, "Hey, imagine a restaurant that's your dream restaurant that you get to open. Cook us a dish from that restaurant." Yeah. You know, they've they've done that and it's been about the cooking and but for a mood board and a lot of gorilla glue for Brian Voltaggio, yeah. like I really this was essentially exactly that. Right? It just was like a weird presentation where everyone got so into floral backgrounds in a way that I just didn't see coming. Right. Yeah. Also, phrases like, I need a ton of royal blue, which I'm pretty sure no one has ever said before. Well, okay, Eric went home. But <laughs> uh, but it's just like really tricky not, because, like, can we not gloss over Robo Votaggio gluing an entire plate? vertically to his mood board I, that's so what, much glue i love that that's how his like mind goes like i have a limited set of ingredients to show what i want it to look like a plate communicates everything i want to say about it. <laughs> well it's food themed i love that um we will use plates in the restaurant so it's got that literal connection yeah. <laughs> so his mood was he wanted to eat food off a plate and i'm with you know what if it had been like pieces of bark that he was going to serve or a hot rock for his oysters i'd be way more upset i want plates he gave me plates i have a question give the man a restaurant is a mood like if you're pitching a restaurant is a mood board what you showed your investors like is this normal good question <laughs> this i normal? thought it was really weird i'm super <laughs> into this feel, Please, somebody i know. feel like maybe you spec out like a space and you show that i yeah i felt like you a did. mood board was an interesting choice too I, I bet what they'd actually do is have like a slideshow that would have pictures yeah, you'd have of a slide restaurants deck. or like things that inspire it but i i think like when they did a good job of starting with kevin's because it seemed like his was a successful blend of what like would be close to what you actually pitch with where it probably would be a mood board, but it'd be a slideshow that serves the same goal of capturing mm-hmm. the aesthetic through like images that influence what the final product would be. And totally. we watched on somebody here's recommendation. Um, we watched million pound menu mm-hmm. and on the second season of million pound menu, they were doing the pit. They added the pitch component a little more detailed and they have uh, a binder. Uh, they have a little presentation. It's basically a slide deck printed out, but it's, it seemed like that had more information, including financials and other things, and not yeah. just like the the color palette. 
Yeah, top PowerPoint just does not get me. I would have been so interested yeah, if that had been happened. Just like like we got we brought in IT. Everyone's gonna make the best PowerPoint they can. Does anybody have an Wait, HDMI dongle? Tanya mm-hmm. said she doesn't like that idea, and as you're saying, you do like that idea. Uh, I mean, I think it is nearly unwatchable for TV, but I definitely want to see it. <laughs> Oh, I also good... think it does reveal for at least a couple of chefs that like, you know, a lo- some chefs spend a lot of time like daydreaming about their ideal restaurant situation, but some do not, which yep. is like not necessarily like a moral failing, but it does become a big like issue when your challenge is about now, like bring your dream restaurant to life. And it's like, or imagine that you are suddenly forced to pitch a restaurant and then deal with that reality right that was so interesting we've got like you know kevin who had this idea in the back pocket that he's been like daydreaming and refining in his head for five years and we've got another like top contender melissa who it seems like you know she's a wonderful cook but like did not have that well realized of a vision even though her food was excellent so totally that's absolutely true but the other three winners besides melissa were all experienced pitching restaurants Mm. and so malarkey Restaurant flipper into malarkey. Yeah, so I don't. I did not realize about this. this. Mm -hmm. Malarkey has an unbelievable number of restaurants that he's he's opened like ten restaurants in the last five years that have all been successful. Um, He has he has opened twenty five total restaurants. The restaurant group he was formerly in charge of sold for twenty five million dollars a couple years ago. Is that a lot or not a lot for for this? But, but, since, for the I don't mean, this, but for him, it's a lot of money. Since season 17, since this season filmed, since the filming of this episode, he has opened six restaurants, all too good with you. I wow. know. So he knows what he's doing is what we're saying here. I mean, there's a few things that I, we were saying. One of them is, why is he here? Well, sure, there is that. Yeah, and like that, I was truly baffled that that pitch was a top pitch. Yeah, well, we have to talk about that too. Yes, I, I mean, I'm showing you guys. I'm sending you guys the screenshot, the, like the the picture of a Padma's reaction as he was prepping. It was one of my favorite <laughs> things that I've ever seen in my life. It's it was good. It I was just good don't for understand, sure. Like whether it's like them as a panel being like either out of touch or in touch with some like financial reality that like we don't understand, but like as yeah. someone who's definitively a millennial based on mm-hmm. the year I was born. Yeah, technically, one, yeah. Shrek is not where I'm making nope. my restaurant decisions. No. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I this image of Padma. To millennials, and, right? I thought that was more of a Gen Z thing. Well, yeah, yeah, so there's, like, there's so many things going on. One of them is that with old people, they think anything younger than them is a millennial yeah. of any age. And as a millennial, if you're going to call your restaurant D2, it better be about the, cult- the Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Yeah. 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 It better be about the cultural diaspora that the Mighty Ducks experience <laughs> going to the internet. <laughs> it better be anti-Iceland. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Wait, so if it's called yeah. D2 and they serve a bunch of duck dishes, is that cool or is that terrifying? I think it's uh, fun. It's on brand, at least. Close enough. Oh my gosh, a flying V of dim sum carts. Let's do this. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Sarah. My my Sarah had something later. Either Sarah. I'd just like to hear from someone named Sarah right now. New Sarah, go first. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like it was an edit thing, like we were saying, because they decided to lean really into the zany malarkey thing. But I didn't yeah. actually understand what his prove was. And then later, Gail was like, that thing sounded amazing. I was like, what was that thing? I don't even remember it being presented. It was, it was, was Asian-Mexican fusion. Asian Baja, specifically. <laughs> Baja Asian. Even though their first note was like, I didn't taste any goju chang. And I was like, well, then is this great? And they were like, but we love the concept. Well, I think the idea of goju chang on tacos... <laughs> But that's so, not quite that's the thing that where this gets very complex is like you're presenting an idea that they love but then your food doesn't quite illustrate it but you're still very excited about the idea and he said millennial in a confident voice so now we're all spending time salivating about this uh, idea so this is what i wonder like muddies the waters especially for those of you who have some experience in marketing which is a significant number of the people on this panel like do you is that do you think that that this was just showing that the judges on top chef are getting kind of old and are desperate to learn how to talk to millennials so anyone who says a thing that millennials like must be tr right must be doing good we're not unicorns though we're in our 30s and we like to eat it yeah. yeah, we like food. Yeah. Okay, so just to, to if you, for those of you who listen to the show and do not watch Top Chef, which is statistically a number of you. Um, thank you. We have proven. And thank you. And don't leave. Um, okay. So the restaurant concept that Malarkey pitched um, was a Baja Asian uh, fusion concept. So Asian street Already food Already hard to put your mind around, food. right? Right? It's already a little... It's kind of a thing, right? But then his way of explaining that is that each of those two cultures are best represented by two by an animal a dragon and a donkey, which also happened to be starring characters in the hit movie Shrek, which is everyone knows the only thing millennials care for. And so the restaurant is called D2 for dragon donkey for Shrek for a metaphor for these two cultures that are in the fusion cuisine. And yeah. they thought that was one of the smoothest, coolest pitches and premises they've heard for a restaurant. Maybe everyone's bad at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will genuinely good... say, like, and oh. it could just it could just be that I'm mean, but I did find everyone's mood boards to be fairly distasteful. Yeah, oh yeah, and the pitches were, were every one the of them pitches were kind of bad. Yeah, I mean, Eric's yeah. like, hey, you know, slavery was yeah, like, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll take these okay. one at a time. Okay, but about the mood that. boards. No, I'm just saying, like, you had a bunch of nervous like cooks who were time pressured to like come up with this and then malarkey at least he seems relaxed and like he's having a good time with it he's used to being confidently wrong that's his thing this whole season is talking to strangers confidently and then being not knowing what he's talking about um i which comes back to a little bit to what i was saying before was so this guy's a multi-millionaire with a huge empire to run and is incredibly successful at his corner of the restaurant world why would he subject himself to the part that he seems like maybe not quite as good at, which is cooking dishes quickly on the fly. Like, why would he sign up to go make greasy relish? It's great when publicity could... to be on Top Chef. Yeah, he yeah. really wants to be on TV. I mean, right? Like, he's been on TV in a lot of other, his show, his other show got canceled. A lot of other shows, and this is yeah. I, I mean, mean, he he seems like he's. Uh, so I guess, do you think he regrets just that? enjoys the spotlight. Do you think he regrets it now that he's not doing well? Or does he not even... I mean, he did still put himself top of the notebook. So maybe he doesn't recognize he's, he's not doing well. He's still here. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's made it yeah. to episode seven. He's doing fine. Yeah, time is his victory, not like... <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. tough because like, I mean, with the exception of like Snot Rock, it's actually pretty hard to remember like what people's food is. And I think everyone kind of universally agrees like, oh, just because you did something stupid on Top Chef doesn't mean you cannot cook. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Any amount of time on the show is a good amount of time on the show, really. Yeah, like, it really true. raises your profile. That's true. Yeah. And it can help with him at investor meetings, which he's going to a lot of. Um, although I guess I think if I was going to call, uh, if I had a name for his restaurant, it would be Skating by D2 The Mighty Ducks. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Just came up with that. That's not the joke that you've been waiting for. <laughs> the joke that you've been waiting for. You'll know it when you whole- taste it. You'll know it. It's about to happen, which is that I just thought after his explanation of his restaurant, it should the name of the restaurant should have nothing to do with uh, Shrek. It should just be called Ako Taco. Oh, because it was a really uncomfortable pitch for a fusion restaurant. It was, yeah. and we saw some Ako Tacos earlier in the challenge. Yeah, yeah. There's been a whole day, so I was thinking this episode might be called Ako Taco. That sounds Not because like an octopus-based taco to me. Well, it depends well, on how you spell it's it. A, it's a visual joke. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, you gotta or, see the writing. It's or is this like—is it like acapella because it's a pitch perfect thing? Is that the okay? Well, you uh, know what? Well, yeah. just, I already failed at making biscuits this morning. I need no more pitch perfect <laughs> references. Thank you. <laughs> Look, we're just gonna call it. Wake up, Karen. It's time to fly, and we'll forget any of this happened. So, <sighs> and we won't edit it out because that'll take too much time. But, but you guys Wait, know the, this is not. Canon. You're always so generous with my time, as it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> so. Also on the so Malarkey is on the top, but thank God we do not have to watch the Shrek themed millennial restaurant that he is yeah. uh, going oh, really to open. Uh, <laughs> oh, I wish it had been like like medieval times, like it like been like deeply themed. You know, like there was like a like a floor show, <laughs> a Shrek live floor show. Yeah. I guess I wonder why you would mention Shrek in your pitch because like you'd have to you like can't. it's not ha- yeah. it's not going to have anything to do with Shrek, right? Because you'd have to pay a ton of money for that, right? Katzenberg yeah. is not going to be investing in your restaurant. Anyway. So yeah, yeah I, no, I think an exhausting idea. Cause that, so that wasn't actually in the, the restaurant theme that was in what inspired him and what gave him the name D2. And it's, which is just incomprehensible. Anyway, um, Melissa had a pretty chill modern Asian Californian cuisine that was apparently incredibly delicious, but the two winners. And also very like, very charming story about her grandmother. Yes, yeah, so yeah. nice, yeah. elegant. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Want to say her mood board was just cursive? Question mark. I sorry, I'm sorry. I just all the mood boards upset me. It's so <laughs> yeah. hard. All right. Yeah, I mean, so in, in fairness to them, I guess a little bit when they when they got home and there was all that stuff on the table and scissors and glue, I had my most physical uh, nervousness reaction to the show I've ever had. Like that stresses me out so much the idea of having to be artistic on cue in a way that you're not normally sounds well, so in, in awful reality like usually that i mean like we when we think about like previous restaurant wars like that stuff often gets outsourced to people who do it for a living like there are plenty of firms that just do restaurant stuff like from totally. Toto all the way through to like the banquet the whole thing is done by people who just obsess about materials yeah, so it's kind of yes. wild to be like but you should pick out the velour for this restaurant like why would you <laughs> ever do that you know what we yeah. should do is we should we should have to create you know a company that like mood boards are us uh, and then we have to sponsor the next restaurant wars so that we can just av- like true. save the chef testants from having to do this next time. That's but true. When they and brought in that firm, I also didn't like them. So maybe yeah, that firm. I, I can't remember that. Go. That was a while ago. That I was think terrible. It's too. Me, I'm Karen. I have to fly. However, <laughs> last year when they did bring in that firm, we saw one of the only successful. Hey, this went kind of great. Sort of restaurant wars. That's actually. true. We took the we took that element of drama out of the mix. Yeah, yeah well, someone so, else was making the succulent wall. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Outsource your succulent talk, walls now. Yeah. Like and the, as a millennial, the, I am 
constantly drawn to succulent walls. They're like a tractor beam for okay, me. Okay, well, that one's because they're fat and green, just like my favorite character, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the winners though, so we had Gregory and Valerie's husband, um, who won for Gregory won for Khan, which is his, uh, Haitian wood fired cuisine restaurant that he has been working on for a decade. Um, he has been right. polishing and practicing and working on and has all the dishes ready. And it seems like maybe even has started construction on in Portland. So didn't, um, uh, didn't, didn't that seem just so good. And doesn't that entirely hinge on the restaurant wars kitchens having a wood fired oven? Yes. And these things are true. Yeah. A hundred percent of their Whole Foods budget will be buying the wood fired oven from the pizza place in the corner of Whole Foods. <laughs> uh, well, um, we can say from experience that pizza place at that Whole Foods ain't wood burning. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have on the ground research. That's awesome. The knives come out. Um, also, well, uh, spend more money. A question I had, and we're going to do res- or research next week. I'm surprised that Whole Foods has that much oxtail. Like, I've never seen oh. oxtail at a yeah. regular grocery store. Maybe that's my failure. That's our Whole Foods. And admittedly, we're not buying meat there, really. But I, mm-hmm. You could just check if there's enough oxtail for multiple uh, restaurant concepts. I guess this is just a, a fun side activity for restaurants. Or for restaurants. For Whole Foods, you can just go to the meat counter and be like, do you have oxtail? Just yeah, checking. It, the one thing that I, I would be really fun that they get to do on the shopping is where they say, I'll take all of that. I've never gotten yeah. to say that. That seems fun. You should you should say like, "What do you have the least of?" I'll take all of that. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have all of your remaining bottles of dill seasoning? <laughs> that might Thank be a you. lot, actually. I don't know how much people are going no deep idea. on dill. Yeah. Um, the other winner uh, was Valerie's dill, husband. Please have to be the episode name. <laughs> Deep on dill. We, we should put ten episodes out. Uh, I think that would make this a lot easier. It'll be like uh, Mark's very comic covers. Three away. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, so and then the other so um, uh, country captain from Valerie's husband, which is also a concept he's been working with for a while, and also um, he's opened like six successful restaurants. He's a restaurant. He's a serial restaurateur as well. Um, so he had a. Um, he has a plan. Does um, everyone, anyone else think like when they say cereal restaurateur, that's just, it's always about restaurants about cereal. Also, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. confusing. Okay. The, so the thing I think that are, are important about those tops though, besides the fact that it's sad to see malarkey do well, the other things are um, that Melissa got her second comment from a judge that she had created a Michelin star dish in two hours. Tom agreed with it. Yeah. Unreal. Like, how where did she come from how she's so good this season it's amazing she's she's so good she's and then she's always been this good is the thing yeah and then to have gregory and valerie's husband on the top three is incredible because those three melissa gregory and valerie have one valerie's husband have 100 percent of the elimination wins this season yeah no one has won that's not in those three is this anyone else out uh like knowing how this leads into restaurant wars yeah, oh, it stresses me out a lot, especially with I, the preview. Like, my thing with Kevin's restaurant is one, it sounds very interesting, but they've never tried something like that on Top Chef for Restaurant Wars before. Restaurant Wars, you mean family style? Like, yeah, well, family style, but also like this sort of setup where it's not like you're picking like courses, you're picking like the protein, and that's going to be fixed, and then everything around it is sort of like coming out. It uh, Restaurant Wars has always been like 
a three to four course experience where you're picking your dishes and that like drives the like kitchen that that's that basically controls how they're working. But now with this set setup where it's like you're cooking this big thing for every table, there might be two or three options, but then everything else has to be this like fluid system going around that. I, I think it's going to lead to some uh, sort of into like, Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, like the chain of service. Yeah. It does seem really stressful. I, I don't know how they're going to cope and it is hard oh, to imagine. Really? I, I, maybe you guys can explain that to me a little bit more. Cause it seems like much easier to just be like, Hey, all of our sides, no matter what the table are the same. Like we don't need to worry about tickets in the way we just have a two top, get two of the sides. And then all you're changing up is the proteins. It's the flow of service where in a regular restaurant kitchen, like you have individual people responsible for like dishes and like stages of service. So Ooh, yeah. Okay. never mind. For an, from an elimination standpoint. Yeah. yeah the elimination is such a curious thing too, because normally you have, um, uh, the chefs at least have some say in the dish they're going to create during that planning meeting. But because this is such a strong concept, like you're saying like, so whoever's on Kevin's team has to pick, has to make a side that fits that Southern theme and fits into that menu. Or if you're cooking in Gregor, you have to do a wood fired Haitian dish, which sounds out of outside of a lot of people's comfort zones. Um, yeah. So it does seem weird for the elimination However, because both of them are so good, my bold prediction is Malarkey is going home. Um, front of house Malarkey or front of house Karen? Yeah, like this definitely as soon as as soon as they were both on the top, what I said to Megan was, well, I guess this means someone's going home for front of the house. Although if you pull up if you remember topchefstats.com, which we sometimes reference on the show, um there uh those there there have been five line cooks that have gone home over the years. So six executive it's, it's still a safer position because there's usually two line cooks, right? At least so. twice as many, for sure, for sure. But it does happen. So five still out of seventeen out of seventeen seasons, sixteen seasons already means it could happen. But still, executive in front of the house are just as likely as each other. And since the two executive chefs are the best, and one of the uh, front of the house is not great, um, and who seems to be wearing on Padma's uh, nerves. I feel like there's got to be a chance that he goes home. Can, can you can you uh, add that that image that I, I screen capped in the in the show notes also of the of the of the Padma? Where did grimace. you send it to us? Uh, I just emailed Padma it grimace. You. The Padma grimace when uh, so this is the Padma's grimacing reaction when Malarkey is uh, asking, I guess, like a server to check his teeth and make sure he's like looking good before his presentation. Oh yeah, his just uh, yeah. His shenanigans. It also appears in the dictionary under bone deep exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the two like Padma's grimace and Tom's like I'm smiling, but I do not like it. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pain between those behind those eyes. Um, I, so I'll, so them having to deal with him on front of the house, I suspect they will not love it. I mean, I will say that the next time on just looked like a real cluster. Like it just yeah. didn't seem like thing. I mean, and I understand the edit is always supposed to give you a lot of excitement feelings, but like this was this was some next level. Like yikes! 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 yikes. Okay, so let's jump into the negatives on this episode before we or the the bottoms on this one. So Eric, Leanne, and Stephanie in the bottom, which is a relatively comfortable place for Leanne and Stephanie. Um, they've um, spent a lot of time there recently. Um, I think. Let's see. What was Leanne's? That was Leanne's fourth time on the bottom, and Seymour's fifth. Um, yeah. Although, of course, Stephanie can't go home, so we're down to Leanne and Eric. And 
Um, so let's talk about middle passage. So we were, so this is the second time Eric has been eliminated doing a sample dish from his restaurant concept. From his middle dream, passage. which uh, is dream. so, Oh, it's so rough. It's so, it's so rough. sad. I, I said to Sarah, I felt like this is like, basically this is his, like his first novel. And like, he kind of has to write the second one. Maybe like, oh, uh, interesting. like where it's like, I think this is the thing that like you care so much about and you just like, you can't get to it maybe like directly. Um, I just, yeah, I wanted there to be more connective tissue between, like, I just wanted to understand, like, we go from, like, slavery to what? Like, because there was so, there's so much dwelling on the slavery aspect. And that's not to say that there should be any kind of, like, erasure of slavery as a concept. I just don't know where it lives in restaurant land. Yeah. Like, but it's also weird because it... the two winning concepts kind of had some slavery in there, too. Well, yes. Sure. yes. Um, on, on opposite sides, one pro, one con. Yeah, well, uh, I like it. yeah, American curry, a phrase I love thinking about all the time. Anyway, I just, I just feels a little. It, it just feels hard to connect with as like a can't wait to go eat the blank at Middle Passage. Like, uh, yeah. It's so tough. I, I tough loved. I thought that was a really compelling concept for a Top Chef finale progressive meal, where you tell that story through food. It's harder for me to imagine people making reservations for that restaurant. And this is one of the places where it seems like he like I don't think he was sent home for the concept be, because his food he like just kind of blew it on the fundamental cooking of both dishes. And so if he had cooked them very well, his not the the fact that they were confused about the concept would put him kind of in the middle probably, but the fact that he had like inedibly uh salty broth and overcooked duck is just like it eliminates this as an issue, but the concept was really muddy. And then one of the, and one of the parts that like the thing that he did the worst at in the edit was they were like, is it fancy? And he was like, well, it's very upscale, but also casual, um, like casual white glove service. Yeah. Casual. White yeah, glove, it was which, very confusing. I guess gardening gloves could be casual and white. Um, but yeah, like it's, it is a really confusing concept. And I think he should, if he just turned into this is fancy as heck. And you go here for an experience and, you know, Michelin will like this and it's not a casual everyday restaurant you want to drop into. I think that makes the storytelling part of it better that you're like, we're going to go here to learn some stuff and also have this incredible food. But I don't see like drop in casual restaurant that's talking about that journey the same way. Yeah, totally. I I, I think it's like the because the way if it's casual, it feels like it's maybe this is a craveable uh, type meal that you want to come back to. And yeah. I don't think that was kind of presented that way. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's experiential where it's like, oh man, this is like, this is like, this is, your mind's going to be blown. It's like, this is, this is going to be, this is changing what you're thinking about. It. But it's not like a, this is like, I, I want some comfort. I'm going to, I'm going to go, go to this place. I love the metaphor of the first novel where this is like, it, this is a good idea. We're not saying this is a bad idea, but you've struggled so much to, to make it realized. Maybe go do a couple of other ideas and then you'll have the tools to come back and fully realize this one. Totally. Also, I find that like the trope of a chef coming back to something that they executed previously that didn't go well, like there's too much like <laughs> psychic trauma there. Yeah. Like every yeah. time when it's like, oh man, I almost went home for this or like I actually went home for this. Like, and I just remember it hurt so much and I was so upset with myself and it was a huge disappointment and I think about it and cry at night. Like, I'm going to do it this time. Like, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, more more often than not, I would say that fails. And I don't have the actual stats, but it seems like more often than not, when someone says they're going to uh, show us like that they actually can do something. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, <laughs> Kyle has added to the Padma Grimace a picture of Padma with the Grimace. And <laughs> um, 
So in the middle of trying to say this thing about the Middle Passage restaurant, I had to laugh at a photo of the Grimace. From oh. A Happy Meals character. Yeah, you know, sure. I actually, I was trying to think of this and I just looked it up to confirm my suspicion, but there is actually a restaurant that tries to balance this type of narrative and apparently does so very successfully. There's a restaurant called June Baby in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And their like website and menu really explicitly talks about how Southern cuisine comes from the slave trade and about mm-hmm. how it's this like beautiful celebrated tradition that came out of a lot of hardship and suffering. And it is actually a fairly casual fine dining restaurant. Um, oh, yeah. So it, yeah. it does right. kind of do these things like it's so, pretty successful. So wait, what you're saying is they use a digital mood board <laughs> to explain yes. the concept? Yes. Well, James Beard winner for best restaurant Northwest used a digital mood board. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Um, a big... But wither the millennials. <laughs> no, like donkeys or dragons, so I'm out. But it's just like it's it's not the, the concept of like you can grapple with with difficult concepts through cuisine. It just feels like I feel like Eric has almost put so much pressure on himself because of this concept too. It's been like his his thing for a few years now. Yeah, totally. And, like, totally. Done tasting menus with it, and like this is kind of one of the things that he's known for. And I just feel like that pressure has to get to anyone, right? It's, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to care about a thing so much that you can't like. Like you want to, all right. So maybe if, if like, uh, if one end of the spectrum is malarkey where it's like, this is like, this is a cash grab and I've like, I'm really thought through it. And the other end is, yeah. Like you were like, this is the, this is my heart, like on a plate right here. Uh, you probably want to be like, this is thing I care about. And I've also can still have some sense about it and can like self edit. You, you want like that kind of balance. And maybe like on a yeah, scale of one, need 10, a little distance. Yeah, like, a, like an eight basically of caring, not, not, maybe not a 10. Yeah. Um, just, I, I think this is a, a good conversation. We should get get moving because um, we're running out of time. Um, so, just two quick asides. One is that Karen's restaurant was called Three Black Crows, which just makes me think of the band The Black Crows a little too much. Oh, I thought um, also crows with count- an e. Wait, not counting crows because you have to figure out how many there are. Oh man, it's both. It's it's the <laughs> it's the thing that millennials can't get enough of. It's two <laughs> different crow bands mashed together. <laughs> um, and director Cameron Crow. That's the three. <laughs> Those are three crows. It's the three kinds of crows. It's perfect. I, I really also, thought it would be a Norse mythology themed restaurant saying like, well, you know, Odin's two crows hugging and mugging. What if there was a third crow for food? Wait, Odin has a crow named Muggin? Yes. Hugging. They're ravens. And, yeah. oh, think- and then the third one, I guess, would be like straight, straight thugging. <laughs> Yikes. That's so fun that there's one named Muggin. That's so good. Um, and then also, uh, Robo Votaggio, um, famously not a sense of humor haver. Um, Thatcher in the Rye was a cute name for a restaurant that has a lot of rye flour, I guess. Um, I thought that was neat. Yeah, didn't work, but also, um, I really love JD Salinger. <laughs> well, you know what they don't love is phonies, and so they did not vote for Malarkey. <laughs> I I really like Robo Votaggio, except his laugh. I feel like if he didn't laugh as often, he would be universally beloved. But that laughs look great. That's so. Um, anyway. That's the meanest thing you could say to someone. That's like, pretty cruel. You know, Is it? Uh, I think it's endearing. As, as uh, Alex, as someone who people in comments have really not liked laugh of, uh, I think you'd know that. Wait, wait, people don't like my laugh. 
I don't know. I think people have said generally that we laugh too much on the shows. That my dad on. says that all the time. No one else has ever said that. So my dad finds my laugh grating, but everybody else seems wow. into it. Your own wow. dad. That's horrifying. The cycle of pain you've you've perpetrated on Robo. Okay, speaking okay, your poor speaking robot. Wrap up. Speaking of the, the last thing I want to say about the elimination, let's jump to our cycle of pain. How many hankies for you? One Ooh. to sixteen. Please this was rank high the elimination. Hankies, man. Yeah. When he is... was like pressure creates diamonds or whatever he said. What did he say? He did, yeah, pressure? pressure was it pressure yep. or conflict? It no. was pressure. Uh yeah. I'm sure that's pressure, but I certainly... he also it also is like asteroids. So who knows? Conflicts create blood diamonds. It's different. I know, yeah. I know. That was a terrible joke and I should be rough. sent away. It's my time to fly. Put it back anyway, in the box. I, I was very moved by his. I think this is the thing. This is the opposite version of last week where everyone cooked amazing food and then someone still had to go. And then Eric was like, here's my dream and it didn't go great. I'll pack my <laughs> knives and learn from this. Like when he was like, the biggest thing I've learned from this season is humility. I was like, just <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> Yeah, this was this was this is peak hankies. This is hoarding is the hankies. Really this, I think, upsetting. I, I, Sixteen, maybe so, fifteen and a half, but but nearly all the hankies. I, I went fifteen because I yeah. want to save some hankies for yeah, you the worst possible scenarios. But yeah, for it was sure. high. Coming in at fourteen hankies for me, like a lot of hanks. It's it, the hanks are there, but I know that it can get harder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will just say so. I I like kind of danced around this last week, and I actually I. I felt it strongly this week again. So I think I kind of come in on the opposite side of that from what Tanya said, Tanya, what you said about the difficulty of uh, like, or of how they cooked. I think it's harder to get eliminated when you do great. I think the fact that he knew exactly what he had done wrong must, it seems like it would be easier to be like, yeah, I went home because I did bad and I can do better and this doesn't define me and I can grow. Whereas if you do your best and you get beaten by someone doing their best, you have to leave being like, I am not good enough. There's nothing I could have done. And that feels harder. So I, I actually feel like as I loved Eric and I really wanted to see him uh, succeed. Um, but I would say this is only maybe like six hankies for me because I felt like this is what happens when you overcook duck. That's normal. Yeah, it's fine. Lessons in humility leave you powder dry. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I thought last week was was like harder to take, honestly, and I liked Eric more. So, and I just think the the fact that you have a you have a reason why you lost is easier than when you just can't explain it. That's yeah, yeah. I'm, and that's me trying to describe how I felt about it, not like I want that to be the case. But yeah, just didn't it didn't hit me as hard. I felt a little better. Uh, after Last Chance Kitchen, because I, I felt like I'm not, I always I, do. Yeah, like this is it's like it's nice to see sort of the afterlife, and they're like, okay, he'll he'll be all right. But it's so, I yeah. always feel better after Last Chance Kitchen, and I think it's one of the best things about the show is just seeing them. Oh yeah, I will carry on. This is not the end of the world because if we only see them on the show, then losing is sort of like they are being taken out back and murdered. It was weird because Last Chance Kitchen was just such a fat zag where it was just like, well. Here comes this. Like <laughs> you know what Tom loves. Like it's just like, oh, okay. I guess yeah. this is fine. Yeah. Sure. Tom, Tom, Tom's Tom's last like Tom's. I'm gonna give you a curveball face on Last Chance Kitchen. That's the opposite of the grimace. I'd like yeah. to see that next to a picture of Mayor McCheese. Um, anyway, uh, all of that. We'll talk actually really quick about Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, but first, it's time for. It's time for Megan's Mailbag. You can get in touch with Megan by sending her an email. Mailbag at PackYourMikes.com. Also available on Facebook, Twitter, and on our website, PackYourMikes.com. Megan, what's in your bag? Uh, We have an email from Jen. 
Hey, Jen. Um, Hello. Hello, Jen. <laughs> I, Jen mentioned that a part of the episode that made her sad was the handling of Kevin's country captain dish. Uh, because there were zero mentions of the dish's origins and ties to the spice slave trade. Yeah. Um, and it reminded her of the hoe cakes episode from Top Chef Charleston as episode two. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. Oh, my God. Hoe cakes. <laughs> oh, that was not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it will be addressed in the next episode, but, um, uh, but, she doubts it yeah um she did uh, include some links maybe we can put some of the links in the show notes for sure. um for sure. uh, one of them talks about how edna lewis really popularized the dish in her restaurant edna lewis was we read her book on Charleston during charleston season i think so yeah, yeah. not we personally but like the show did yeah mm-hmm. they talked a lot about her yeah yeah um yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a it's a rough, weird thing about it, and I, you know, and maybe that's something he could have addressed better through his uh, digital mood board. Maybe a good website could explain or, that. You know, also, who knows what the edit had, but it was very weird not to just immediately be like, "There's a hit, a legacy of this type of spice based cooking in the South because of this lady." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Instead, just like yeah, they just like cut to a picture of Kevin and his fam, and that was not necessarily the explanation we all craved uh, uh, an extra weird element uh, is if you if you i don't know what happens if you google it but if you bing hoe cakes the first recipe is paula deans um oh okay well so that's weird but i was certainly expecting you to say that it was porn so now i'm kind of relieved <laughs> no it's legos is what it is <laughs> that's that okay. wasn't in the episode either um but yeah and, and uh it's just uh, it's tough man it's tough when you like the 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 how, how do you how do you give all the necessary context, I guess, with the with the foods that that that, that come up, basically? And, and uh, maybe maybe we'll figure this out. I don't know. We've got a lot like of time. We'll figure it out now. Time. Now they actually had time to present and talk, so this would have been the time to say more about it. I think, yeah. but, especially yeah. in an episode where they talk, they give Gregory the leeway. Uh, like Gregory has the time to talk about the inspiration, his yeah. background. Uh, Eric does too. Like the fact that Kevin. It, it's a very glaring, like, blind spot he's showing by just saying it's part of his experience and not, like, a bigger statement on, like, the Southern identity. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know what we could... we Okay, so, million-dollar idea. If someone can crack it, if someone can make, like, understand, like, like uncomfortable, like, racist issues uh, and, and, like, like difficult legacies, if you can make that good TV and, like, like enjoyable to watch, then, like, then, then that's great. We can all finally evolve. Uh, you mean sort of like um what was that mo- the movie about the financial crisis? Big short, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the big short, yeah, yeah. The big, give me a big short about uncomfortable topics so that I can learn and also laugh. I don't know, maybe that's a million dollar ideas. I'm open or, to or it, or probably uh, and unless again, unless Shrek is in it, no one's going to see it. So yeah, I mean, if you're, you're reaching <laughs> the millennials, it's a donkey and a dragon explaining difficult topics. I don't know if it's a million dollar idea, but I'd give you eight. Yeah, it's about an eight dollar idea. All right, right, let's keep moving. Um, Bridget wrote in uh, with a story about guest judge um, for the quick fire, Danny Trejo. Oh, nice. Um, she's actually met him. Uh, in another lifetime, before I was a biochemist, I was a culinary student. Uh, I did my internship at a Boca restaurant, and he seemed fine. 
<laughs> that is a wonderful comment. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, I really respect that. Are we sure this is about Danny Trejo and not Kevin Bohm? Yeah, Boca was Boca Group was the other was the group from Chicago. Oh, okay, I got that wrong. There was a little bit of editing involved. So um, the email was called like, "I have too many thoughts. Please edit as necessary." Oh, Um, over edit. Yeah, which may have been an editing mistake, but either way, somebody was fine. I mean, if Danny Trejo also interned at a Boca restaurant group (laughs) restaurant, that would be truly fascinating. Yeah, I Uh, did know that Cuban Blazer is also fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's just Um, guest judge and you made Trejo together. Yeah, made a yeah. Anyway. Sorry. That makes sense. I'm um, sorry about that. Um, one thing about the editing is we get just we get a bunch of email. We can't always get all the email and, and, and notes across. And then sometimes we get longer emails. We have to cut them down. And somebody after Megan read part of the email last week had said, thanks for leaving some of the carrots off the plate, which is such a funny comment. And uh, lovely. it's really, really great. Anyway, so props for that. Yeah. Megan, what else? Uh, Alicia writes, I would go to a restaurant called Immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alicia. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so that was like a sick burn at CMR um, that a restaurant should have been called Immunity. But also, it's kind of an interesting idea since she felt so out of her depth. If she was like, guys, check it out. My restaurant's called Immunity, and it's where I cook things that I'm in the mood to cook, and you can't send me home for it. And here are two yeah. things I like to eat at home. Like, that would be hilarious and really heartwarming. It would. And she could specialize like in like anti-inflammatory stuff or I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of probiotics. Yeah, I think that's funny. Uh, Catherine asks, "Does anyone even like Restaurant Wars?" Oh, Catherine, yes, I oh. do. I do. I, like uh, it. I think I was into it maybe once. It always feels like a pointless elimination over something that is a non-issue in every other episode. Oh, mm. I like Restaurant Wars. I don't know. It feels very much like we got to do a concert to save the school, and I like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right now you have to like it because the concert to save the school is objectively a wonderful <laughs> idea i do think that it is it's consistently like a lesson in how restaurants work and it turns out i need one of those just about every year like i genuinely forget how like the back of the house is operating and i always appreciate getting like a deep dive into it so also we, like this, go ahead kyle I like how it shows that uh, being a chef and cooking is really like at most 40% of what makes a successful restaurant because like we totally. get to see them be so like functional and experts and like th- we get to see them be like absolute pros. But when they it comes to actually like doing the job of feeding people and being a restaurant, there is a, so much more that goes into it. I think it's like – I, I think I get more validation out of it as like someone who I stopped being a, a server, but like still self identifies as someone who's like worked at restaurants and wants to get some like credit for making sure that you have a good time. Full credit, eight dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I, I I love it too. I, I agree with everything everybody just said, and I would subscribe to your newsletters. Um, and I I just want to add that like basically most of the challenges on Top Chef are catering challenges that it's almost entirely a catering competition, but we don't think of them as caterers. And they even kind of like, there's kind of an attitude of like looking down on catering as a business. Not, it's not brutal. And we've had caterers win the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, 
it just like we like thinking of them as being in restaurants and so we see all of this time of them catering special events which is a tiny portion of what they would do so i love seeing them in the restaurants i love seeing people cook on the line i love seeing the pass through i like watching the how front of the house plays such a crucial role in restaurants and is overlooked um i like all of it is super interesting so i love seeing all of that yeah. uh, and i it's a restaurant and, it, and it, so it's, it's sending them home for something that they wouldn't get sent home for other episodes but on other episodes they would uh they wouldn't get to do all these cool things that they're getting to show now i do think this season has leaned kind of hard into the business side like with the bottle of relish and personal brand and then pitch this restaurant part that is not the most fun and i don't want to watch like you be part of investor meetings, which is a huge part of being a restaurateur. This feels on brand for the for LA, though, right? Like, if you're going to do that <laughs> anywhere, that seems like it's here. Yeah, that's true. That's and and true. to oh, add to that, and, <laughs> yeah, no, to to add to that, I would just say like these are returning successful chefs, and this is more in tune with where a lot of them are in their careers. Yeah. yeah. Um. So in theory, it's more of what they where they're getting to. Right, because Kevin has people for that shit. So I want to see me see him run a team of people for that shit. Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, I I guess you know I don't know, Catherine. To to your point, I mean, like, no, it's it's things that everybody here in theory is very good at, but given no time or resources to be able to be truly successful at. Yeah, so that it part is, is frustrating. It, it is frustrating and heartbreaking in that way. But I, Alex, I, I completely agree with everything you said about getting to see behind the scenes and getting to see all the all the parts yeah. that come together. But also, Megan, uh, just to give one like point in the favor of the emailer, like I do find Restaurant Wars episodes some of the most frustrating every season because it oh, is totally. it, they do always feel like slow motion car crashes, yeah, and rarely yeah. turn out well. I'm really questioning whether I'm I'm, yeah, I'm really questioning whether or not I actually enjoy this. Like like based on like I'm wondering if this is actually just like maybe been like that. It you done. <laughs> You've yeah, been told that you like it so many times yeah. that you believe it. This is this is this is maybe. Uh, I, if I had any more metaphors left to me, I would use one now. But I'm out, so it's it's this is just like itself. Box of crows, man. That's all it is. A few metaphors today, and we've run through them. So <laughs> yeah, they just had to run. Got to start promoting something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like it's like my uh, I guess Dale Fish. Okay, Megan, what else is in your bag? Allie has a hypothetical question for us. Ooh, I love Ooh. those. If you were a guest judge at a quick fire, would your ch- what would your challenge be? What kind of food would you want the chefs to make for you? Ooh. Allie, my answer is ice cream. Mm. Wow. It's consistently tricky to make on Top Chef, and I love it. Honestly, Chris, yeah. that was where my mind went to. Ooh, Ooh, great answer. I'll do you one better where I want all of this sort of like difficult equipment. Pressure so, yeah, pressure cookers, ice cream maker. Um, machetes yeah <laughs> yeah, the, yeah basically you oh, have to, I like that a lot. It's, this is the all gimmick uh quick fire challenge where you have to, you have to pick one gimmick um and all and, right and, you have either risotto or it is your birthday today which do you prefer <laughs> or you, make a salad everyone gets a, a call from a loved one uh Oh yeah, your kids are on the phone. You have to cook a dish. Go. This is, yeah, this is the doom. So this is yeah, this is the doom. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's uh, you. It's also it's high stakes uh, uh, double elimination. And your kid. <laughs> it's just horrifying. I would say I, I I get a kick out of of people more talented than me preparing a thing that I feel like I have a hard time with. So I think salad would genuinely be my answer. Like I want to eat like however many 
salads by super talented yeah, like chefs. Beautiful salads. Beautiful, complicated, like hard to do salads would be really it'd be a joy. Yeah, I like a salad challenge. I, there was the salad pre-season challenge. Um yeah. 10 or 11 where they had to where there was like three different restaurants you had to cook for one of the judges to get on the show and one was one was soup one was an omelet an omelet for um airport okay. puck and then um yeah and then, and then a salad for Hugh was all about Hugh, the salad. I, I think yeah. yeah oh i do um, like you so that sounds about yeah it was, was great yeah it was really fun and uh, i believe the was that Kristen won her way on Kristen kish won her way on that season with a salad i believe if my memory serves Anyway, Ooh, um, can I, yeah. Can so I one I more tag on top of it. Um, Please. Okay. So remember the episode. The, there's a quick fire, I think, where the mup like there's Sesame Street was there, mm-hmm. and I want that, but I want you that. That's like your cooking partner. So it's like you and uh, a Muppet have to make a dish together. <laughs> how to make a dish over the phone to a Muppet. <laughs> I'm into that too. These are good answers. Because uh, here's the thing: there, there is on this, like, I think, last season or so, uh, there is like a, a cooking with Cookie Monster and uh, and Gonger, uh, is like uh, who's like a newer uh, a newer uh, character, and it's pretty good. Like I like a lot of this. Like uh, they're monster foodies. Anyway, yeah. Like more, I love it. Also, Gonger is not relevant to me as a millennial, so I'm gonna have to <laughs> shut this. Down. That is not a dream. Yeah, but, but the Gen Z people, they will not go to any restaurant that Gonger is not a part of. <laughs> Gonger, Gonger looks ridiculous. Also, guys, uh, he does. I'm, have a, yeah, I am open to. I would love to get if you guys would send in for future mailbags. Please send me um, the terrible quick fire idea that you have. What what can you having learned from all the quick fires? What would be your idea for one that would be kind of challenging? That's fun. Anything else? Yes, uh, J number one, right? Hey, J. Do you think they split Last Chance Kitchen into two halves because without the big ranch money coming in, they can't afford more than five stools? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, I hope if there's if this season really does go by and there's no Hidden Valley Ranch money, I'm going to be so disappointed. Yeah, I, but they, they, they don't need to, though, right? right? Like, they, like, they, like we they still get the credit for it, really. No matter what, you just they're already you're already they already won, you know. You mean like the brand recognition of Hidden yeah, Valley Ranch? That it's they, like everyone knows this. This ranch powder is in my heart now, yeah. both literally and figuratively. Yeah, although I'm realizing that valley is very poorly hidden if we all know about it. Where is it? Oh, touche. You know about Atlantis too and you can point me to it. There's plenty of good open secrets. Okay, well maybe it's in the same place. Maybe like the Atlantis is the bottom of the Hidden Valley. Yeah, we we hit this valley a mile <laughs> deep in the ocean. Did you guys realize that Atlantis actually was just covered in ranch? Like that was the issue. That's why it sank. Yeah, it's what it, it took eat its down. way out. Uh, that's fun. Hi, Jay. Um, this is very exciting. Oh, we received an anonymous tip. We did. Oh, oh I love it. What? Um, no. In response to Alex's question, yes, there is such a thing as an amazing pea puree. I was a diner on the Top Chef DC Restaurant Wars episode, Ooh. and that pea puree was really, really, really good. That's a lot of reallys. How okay. long did that diner, that anonymous diner, have to wait for the pea puree? Oh, that's a great question. We did not find out. Oh, uh, that wasn't mentioned. Um, but that's but they actually mentioned it on their comment card at the end of the dinner. Well, imagine my months later when we saw the full season and learned that there was a pea puree controversy yeah oh. that 
must be so cool to have been like, this is some good puree. And then it's like, but who made it? We'll never find oh, out. Man. Do you wonder if there'd be some guilt in it where it's like, this puree is delicious, but there's like this like shady past behind it, you know? Like I didn't know right, what I, I was liking when I liked it. I gave credit on my comment card to the chef who stole it, not the chef who made it, allegedly. Allegedly. Right. I think the way this was worked out was that the person who claimed to have lost the puree had just forgotten to make it. I don't remember. We've revisited this, but then important part of the puree. No, no, I agree. Um, But it's so cool that we got an anonymous tip from someone who actually tasted it. That's really good. So thank you, anonymous Uh, anon. I really appreciate you you writing to tell us that. And writers, if you if you want like more, uh, yeah, more buzz around you, just don't say what your name is. Stay anonymous. Give us a mystery. Yeah. Don't encourage that. That's not right. Don't, well, don't abuse this guys. is what we're rewarding. I don't know if you realize. No, we're really? rewarding people who have been there and seen things and know things. Here's the thing. Yeah. People writing in, you can lie about any of this. This is fine. We, yes, we're not right. fact-checking. What is wrong with you? We are a podcast that protects our sources. Uh, we will <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. The magical elves can take us to the Supreme Court. Try. Megan will go to jail to protect your identity, just so you know. She's said it a million times, so... Right, Megan? Yeah, she'll stand tall. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Megan's no snitch. All right. And finally, we heard from Leonard, who says, I just wanted to write in to let you guys know of another person uh, who listens to the podcast but doesn't watch the show, uh, which is Leonard. Yeah. (laughs) I would have liked you better if you're anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well... Leonard re- prefers to remain anonymous as now. Okay, you received like an anonymous email from Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a danger now, is that everyone's going to think any anonymous tip is from me. Anonymous tip said that Justin Timberlake is good and Alex's laugh is not annoying. That's weird. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if this is the best place to put in, but I've mean to for for like the last thirty minutes. Um, oh if if you want to support, uh, like. Uh, Chef Melissa, like she has a Patreon actually, um, and she does. It's pretty cool. Like, so it's Patreon.com/slash uh, Chef Melissa King, and like she has like a monthly video hangout that you get to join. Um, oh, that's fun. At, at most of the levels, uh, and also if you go to like the the top level, you'll have a a birthday hangout with her. So if oh, you have, a, but that's not, that means you get eliminated from the hangout at the end. Uh, that's true. You will. Uh, but it's still a good birthday gift. That's like, cool. Sorry. And, so um, I'll put that in the link in the show notes as well. And, um, and also, every pretty much every chef you could want to talk to is on Cameo. It turns out, like, like it, like Chris oh, Cosentino is the service where you can pay to have them video call yeah. you. Chris Cosentino, fifteen dollars will say something to you on 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 Cameo, which is, seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, and you can also get yeah, you can get uh, Robo Voltaggio there. Also, you can get like a lot of stuff. Okay. All right. Well, this is a good suggestion if you want Robo Votaggio to send you a very earnest sounding message. Execute program. Pay for call. <laughs> Blaze um, there. Brother Luck. Nini's there. Karen's there. All right. Um, all of that is uh, really great advice. So I told you my bold prediction was that Malarkey is going home. Thank you so much, Megan, by the way. Um, you can get in touch with Megan at We'd love to hear from all of you. Any final thoughts on our way out today, you guys? Any other bold predictions? or something you're afraid of in the future, or just something else that you like that other people don't like, and you just have to defend that and and stick up for yourself. Oh, sorry. I talked over you, man. Uh, I was just going to say that this Restaurant Wars looks like a bloodbath. It looks like it's going to be bad. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not excited for it. It seems like it. It, it seems like they pick good restaurant concepts, but also like it's going to be hard to pull this off. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, I feel it. I get it. I hear it in the concepts. I hear it. it sounds hard. I I don't know. We don't have a measure for like what like frustration is. Uh, we only have a hanky count, but like whatever the frustration metric is, I think like fifteen. Fifteen oh, yeah. grimaces. Yeah, fifteen grimaces. Thank you. 15, 15, 15 grimaces, two hamburglers. <laughs> 15 Joe's died Padmas. That's great. I, I, I totally agree. This is going to be a high grimace count episode. Um, but we'll be here to talk about it next week. Um, send us your feedback and your grimaces and your uh, closed eyed Padmas. And yeah, we look forward to talking about it. Oh, wait, actually, we didn't even talk about Last Chance Kitchen. Nimi won. Yep. Yay. Yay. Um, we're just we've been going so long um but uh the challenge was to um massacre tom's idea of a restaurant um <laughs> uh, he wanted coastal italian food and eric and nini did not know from coastal italian seafood um although they both did a really good job they just didn't do anything coastal italian particularly um uh, but yeah nini nini with her second win in, in last chance kitchen continues on so and um, an aioli which we all know is a controversial food yeah but you I, cook about I didn't Google bag, um, bagna cotta. Bagna cotta. What is it? I've been hearing it a lot. I don't know what it is, but it's in a lot of dishes I've had. A hot dish made from garlic and anchovies. Um, so it's, it's like kind of like a fondue. Dressing. Sorry, say it again. It's like, it sounds like hot Caesar dressing to me. It does. Oh, it's like yeah. a hot Caesar fondue. Yeah, it's, it's not a hot vibe. It's a it's a confusing piece of work that comes so she, alongside crusade so it's some controversial stuff next to each other for sure yeah no kidding nini took hot caesar fondue and made it into an aioli which is fascinating uh, but apparently it's pretty good yeah the what, fish was good. does anyone have an idea of what you'd want uh the the chefs to massacre of, of your concepts like if you do you have like the what your what your bad pitch is that you want uh people to, to wreck i don't but i, I also really want to rap okay uh, so um, a, a wrap, just all wraps. <laughs> yeah, great. A wrap restaurant. I, I, you know what I would actually enjoy. Here's what I want: is my concept is millennials, and then you interpret that. <laughs> okay. Um, is there some way you could make a dish that seems like it could never be eaten in a house you've purchased? That would be hmm. good. Yeah. Someone who's suffered multiple uh, recessions. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the kids' menu is going to be priced so high that you'll be bankrupt by ordering something off of it. <laughs> and then someone on the way out will just be like, "I told you, I told you, you shouldn't come here." <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, for, for boomers though, it is like, uh, like you can, you can. It's just like three dollars. Uh, that's that's the that's the real thing. Yeah, uh, it's actually. So this is the millennial restaurant. This is the boomers millennial restaurant. That's what my concept is. It's just what we think boomers think of millennials. Yeah. And the Jen- restaurant's called Karen. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. Wow. <laughs> all right. Anyway, all of that, we, we'll talk more about it next week. You guys, thanks for sticking around, for uh, hanging out with us for uh, our whole episode today. Um, we'll be back next week with more Pack Your Mics. Thanks for hanging out with me, Chris and Tanya. Yeah. Yes. Always good to hear from you, as in Sarah. Yeah. And Lego Frozen. <laughs> I think we're on to uh, uh, animate a lot. And, and, and uh, I'll sign up for Sarah since she's been like taking care of the kids. Uh, she's doing something, doing, doing um, God's work back there. Well, we appreciate it. Bye, bye, Sarah. Also, thank you, new Sarah and Kyle. Great chatting with you guys. Oh, it's good to get spicy down here. <laughs>
was a spicier episode than some of them for sure. Um, and thanks for putting up with the spice level, Megan. Absolutely. Let's get you some sour cream. And um, <laughs> really quick before you go, Chris, pack your mics and shelter in place. Oh. Yep. Sorry, man. Um, it's got to happen at least for six more months. Oh. All right. Uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.